welcome to this week's edition of The Time and Place, the gospel conversation show where we discuss faith on the fringes and do our best to apply God's word to God's world. I'm Solomon. This is Julian. Yep. And today we're going to talk about sex and robots. Mm. But first, Julian, what the heck is going on in the world today? Well, good news or bad news, depending who you are. Uh, <laughs> apparently the president contracted covid but apparently also he's superman because he says he's doing fine teflon don <laughs> nothing sticks <laughs> not only is he doing fine he says that his treatment proves that a cure is imminent so everybody rest easy there's no reason to panic yeah it's the diet cokes and the mcdonald's fries it's keeping them alive dude. i'm telling you the preservatives <laughs> the aspartame it may give you cancer but it's gonna fight that covid <laughs> You get rid of COVID first, and then it'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's like the October surprise of all October surprises, right? Like, that's, uh, I mean, that's 2020. 2020 in a nutshell. Trump has COVID. Peak, peak 2020. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, like, were we really surprised? Like, it's it's crazy. Yeah. You see, like, the conspiracy theories, like, oh, he doesn't have it. Yes. And he's milking it, and, you know, <laughs> but I would imply that it's, like, would benefit him. Yeah. Well, I saw it. someone who was saying, I like, I saw someone who was saying if he gets better, it's going to be worse because <laughs> then he's really going to say it's a hoax. It kind of is. He's kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, like, whatever. I shook it. I'm well, it's 74. hard to argue. Yeah, he's 74 years old. He's clearly that, overweight. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to argue with him at that point. <laughs> he cheeseburger, nothing but cheeseburgers every day. And, like, <laughs> and he, yeah, I mean, I guess he had, does have the, the best uh, uh, medica- medical care. Oh, sure. everybody, but yeah, they oh drove my them. god! They- Come on, here. I'm watching the vice president debate. Come on, Harris just kissed her husband who was wearing a mask. Oh, I love it through the mask. That's oh beautiful. My gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that was the best thing too. When he got back to the hospital, he just like tears off the mask. <laughs> I felt him like rip it up and like throw it. Give like, <laughs> the peace sign, the double peace signs. Double the the Nixon. Mm-hmm. Newsom, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Newsom out in California was saying that if you're going to go out and eat, remember to keep your mask on in between bites. <laughs> have you seen that one? They did. They did have one where like with a little gap, it opens. No, it's like a machine. <laughs> you like squeeze something in your <laughs> squeeze something in your hand and it opens like a muppet, like a. Oh my god! <laughs> and then you can take your bite and then you close oh, it back. Oh, you know. No, over it. I've only seen the one that, that has the split that the like the the concert <laughs> people are playing. Or like a, you see the one that's like a, it looks like a front of some pants and it's like a, a fly. Like yeah, a as I have seen that one. Fly. That was pretty cool. <laughs> you can drink a bottle through it. Um, yeah, I know. I, I saw that one with like the opening mask, and <laughs> the caption was like, "I bet in 2020 while we'll flying cars." <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Pac-Man. Yeah. The back. Yeah. That's what it looked like. <laughs> Look like Kermit the Frog open it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Trump getting COVID. That's nuts, dude. Like, that's – oh, man. And so now I, it, it, they have to spin it like he's the front line, you know, war on COVID. I, I'm right there with you in the trenches kind of thing. You know, they have to spin it that way, right? Like, that's, that's the only the way best. it benefits him. Right. Well, it's the best opportunity of never let – I'm sure as soon as he found out he was positive, he got his strategy team on it. Like, all right, how are we going to use this? Yeah, they didn't have an idea of like, well, what if you get it? Like, what do we do? You know, what do we say? Right. What do we do? Like, because it's out there and you're touching hands with everybody. So, everybody. Yeah. 
It's crazy. They kept showing a video. They kept showing a video like right when it was announced. They kept showing a video of, of the day before. <laughs> he was at some rally, like in oh yeah, yeah, Michigan or somewhere, Wisconsin, so he's like chucking hats out to people. <laughs> <laughs> he's got like three hats in his hand. And he's just frisbeeing them out to the crowd. You got the black light on him. You just see the corona like flying <laughs> off. <of> his <laughs> he's like <laughs> <laughs> sending it right out to. <laughs> Oh, oh man, it's our not, great leader, truly leader. leader. I know. And then the parade, it's like I, I know what I'll do. I got Corona. I'm gonna drive around. <laughs> I mean, you stayed in the car, right? That's 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 stayed stayed in the in the tightly ventilated car with a bunch of Secret Service guys who are <laughs> immediately regretting their job right well, now. I mean, that's what they're for. They're expendable. That's so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They take a bullet, but it's like oh. <laughs> not a Rona. That's what someone said. Like they take a bullet. For him, but not a bullet from him. <laughs> I thought the president be putting you in danger. I can't imagine what's like the next thing after. Like, what what height can we hit next? Biden gets it and dies. That's the big like. Holy I don't know, crap. dude. I think Biden's so, looking at Bernie, okay. and he's like, if that guy's kicking around, then I'm all right. So I, I had a question. We, I wonder about this. Maybe someone can help us out with this. Um, I was home teached, so I don't know how <laughs> government works. But um, if Trump died, P- Pence would become the president, right? And for then, the next whatever. Well, would he? So it would be him, him versus Biden. Pence, Pence, Biden. I'm assuming, yeah, he would just slide in. I can't imagine who else they try to like prop up at this point. But he'd have to be elected. He had to be reelected. He'd have to be reelected. Yeah, he'd finish out this term, which to like till January. But he would have yeah. to get reelected to. To finish the next one. Okay, but then, so then, could he, when he runs, so another Republican couldn't jump in. It would be Pence. He's the candidate. I mean, I guess in theory, another one could, but I don't know who they would have to plug in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, that's what I was wondering, because like LBJ, right after JFK, it was for his first term. Right. It was LBJ, but then he chose not to run. But was there another Democratic candidate that ran instead of him, or did he just hand it to Nixon? Or like, how did, I don't know how that worked. Like, uh, I, I don't I know. Can't remember like who <laughs> Nixon won. I don't know. But Let's see. Who did Nixon win against? But didn't he debate Kennedy? Didn't he? He debated him, yeah, in the previous one, and that's when he lost because they were like, "This guy's ugly." But <laughs> that was a televised debate, <laughs> right? Televised one, yeah, and yeah. everybody talked. <laughs> well, isn't that was that weird thing where people heard on the radio and they thought Nixon won, but then they yeah, saw on the television, television was yeah, JFK won. That's because he looked energetic and young and handsome. Yeah. But that's 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 really crazy. <laughs> it was uh, apparently Hubert Humphrey was the Democratic nominee, and that's why you've never heard of him. <laughs> His name was Hubert Humphrey. Hubert Humphrey sounds familiar, but I don't know. A govern. Uh, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's what's going on. It can't get the president's debate. Uh, the vice president's debate is going on as we speak, or just ended right now. Total snooze fest compared to the <laughs> nobody yells rock 'em sock 'em robots. The last oh, one, <laughs> no one's screaming. Yeah, it was. It, I watched some of it. I didn't watch all of it. It was very boring. It was very. And then the, the highlight was a fly sitting on Pence's head for like two minutes. <laughs> it just. It looks like Pence has the most uh, Botox in history. Like his face just doesn't move. But the best comment, of course, Twitter blew up because of. Uh, 
<laughs> fly. And uh, the best, the best, the best one I saw uh, was that fly is Pence's only black friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude! Oh, someone. No. Uh, I don't know if you watched Tim Pool, but he tweeted out. Yeah. He said, if you want to see what democracy is, look at Twitter. That's what democracy would be, like pure democracy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tim Pool's crazy. I've been listening to his podcast more. He's like chomping red pills like they're Big candy. time. Yeah. <laughs> like on the <laughs> Trump on board. train. He is the <laughs> conductor of the Trump train. <laughs> Which is really Which crazy. Is, yeah, it's, it's out there, man. <laughs> so the other big news for today... Yeah. Is actually something we did. So our mere hours before this, uh, yours truly had the opportunity to sit down with Pastor Douglas Wilson from Moscow, Idaho, to discuss his latest book, his novel, Ride Sally Ride. Uh, recorded the whole thing, so it's going to be up on the podcast tomorrow morning. It'll be up, and then this episode will go up after that. But, man, how was that? How did you like that experience? <sighs> That was crazy. I, I can't believe that we actually got to talk to Pastor Doug Wilson. Um, a couple of nobodies like us. Like, <laughs> so got to, but it was just, hey, you know, he's promoting this book and, you know, we reached out and they worked out. And yeah, it was awesome. Uh, it was crazy just to be able to talk to him. I felt I was like pretty nervous. Like, this is, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's kind of a hero. I mean, right. So, yeah, it's, it was pretty crazy to get talked to him, but it was it was awesome. He talked about his book and and we just kind of asked him questions and uh, got his take on the pandemic and masculinity and just sex robots and yeah. everything. <laughs> That's something you usually talk about with your pastor. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> Good experience. All right. What do you think? Anything went? I think it went well, right? Yeah, I think it went super well. He's you know I I told one of my friends they're like well, how was it? I was like well he didn't make us feel like idiots. So I feel right. like it went good. I was just waiting to say something stupid. I was like, I'm going to say something stupid or I'm going <laughs> to offend him or something or like <laughs> piss him off or something. You're going to bring up the one thing he doesn't want to talk about? I know. I kind of thought I did because I asked about the incrementalism a little bit. And like, because he was talking about how um, with abortion, you know, there's the incrementalist view, which I think he does take of like slow, gradual progression right. uh, over time to the end goal of, of abolition of abortion and uh, versus like Jeff Durbin, who's picketing signs out and right. making movies and, you know, just like now and it's literally called end abortion now.com right now. <laughs> now, like this is it. And uh, so I was wondering like, you know, they're friends. So how do they disagree on those things or what's the argument or, or discussion between those two? And I kind of brought it up a little bit as far as like incrementalism and, uh, and he said, uh, he's, he's, they, uh, run all plays like right. go, go full steam and, and abortion now. Yeah, sure. Like that also, but also incrementalism too, if that works, like he'll right. take it, you know, which is encouraging because that's kind of the view I was taking as far as like, especially with abortion, as far as, um, you know, if we can pass some laws and make policy that decrease the amount of children who are murdered that I would do that. Right. right. Rather than it's like, but, I, and I think, I don't know if like Jeff Durbin wouldn't do that, but it's like, no, end it now. No. It's like, that's not enough. Right. And it isn't enough, but it's something, I guess. Right. right? And so it's kind of, just kind of trying to figure that out. So it's good to hear him. It's like an incrementalist view 
of that, right. you know. And I think he would still he would still be consistent and say like if you asked him should we fight a war over it, he would probably say no, that's not a good idea. <laughs> like he would be consistent in that sense. What do you think Joe would say to that? Oh, I don't know. He's like <laughs> he's, he's already loaded. <laughs> I've been training my whole life. Well, and that is something I kind of I would want to ask Jeff Durbin too, as far as like you know, in in, in myself or, or any pro life person who's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's the murder of children, right? right. So in the womb, they're just in the womb, right? Right. But if it was a daycare and they were systematically killing kids in a daycare, mm. I'd be running in with a gun, right? right? I mean, would not. you though? That's that's the thing, because like you're, I, oh, I, some, well, not, not someone me. would, right? Not you. <laughs> <laughs> someone in the sense of law enforcement should be the one doing that, right? No, you would. I mean, well, if, I mean you, if you had an AR-15 in your hands, like Jeff Durbin does, and there's a kindergarten where kids are systematically being sucked to death in a tube and like dismembered, five-year-olds, like, he'd be, be running in with an AR. Right, right. I agree with you, but I feel like we're talking about like. I don't know. We're getting into vigilantism territory, you know. But is it? It's not vigilantism if like some like it's a small like a school shooting. I'm shooting at that guy, right? That's not vigilantism. I guess that's true. You're not looking for a shooting. You're just like it happened. Right. Like this is right. going on. We know it's going on in behind these doors, and I'm busting out these doors, right? Yeah. But but we're not with abortion yeah. clinic. So it's like what you know? How do we? What's the consistency on that? And mm. I don't think there's not, or that we should be doing that. But um, if it's killing of children, what are we doing? Right, yeah. right. Besides voting, or something. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, way I, off, way off topic. Back to yeah. back to the subject at hand. Anyways, so if if you didn't know, the reason we interviewed him about the novel, his new novel, uh, "Ride Sally Ride: Sex Rules." I have. Let me get it. I don't have. Yeah, it grab, it right. it grab it. Let me grab it. So, uh, "Sex Rules" is the undertitle, and the the premise is that a young man, twenty years in the future. Uh, takes his neighbor's sex android and throws it in the trash compactor as a form of uh, taking a stand, I guess. Uh, and and it was a really strange angle to take until like a week ago. We talked about it uh, off off podcast, obviously about you know is is sex robot a metaphor? Is it is he trying to talk about something else and just use the term sex robot? And then you know, lo and behold, last week Solomon sends me a clip. There's a the book. Uh, available online or also on Amazon Kindle. So if you read Kindle, get one on Kindle. Um, Solomon, I hate that face. <laughs> like, ugh, Kindle. It's below use, me. Use Kindles to light my reading. <laughs> so, you know, I would say it, it seems like an odd thing until last week you sent me the clip from Rogan where they're talking about sex robots. Yeah, that, that woman's on, I forget her name, but um, yeah, she wrote a book called like Sex Robots and, and was it Fake Meat or something like that? Yeah. Or like, about veganism and these like weird how they're growing fake meat and we're having fake relationships and stuff and you know and like and what's we're, we're replacing life kind of right. yeah exactly well we're we're we we want to have our cake and eat it too right like i don't want to eat meat but i want to eat meat i don't have cows and right. a steak at a steak at the same time so same i'm gonna time. make a steak it's man <laughs> it is weird have you there's a earth burger like down yeah. the street from me it always smells like all the time it smells terrible just dirt. Yeah, it's <laughs> just held together with Mud glue and yeah, and it's disgusting. It's a mushroom, giant mushroom, <laughs> the patty. We're gonna find out in like 15 years. It wasn't China. COVID came from that artificial meat. That was the patient zero. Was an Earth burger, and that was where it started. 
China. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but anyways, we're talking about that and just the idea that sex robots, like that's a thing that we will see at some point in the future. Artificial already, intelligence. I mean, yeah, we're already kind of seeing it. Yeah. That's I yeah. So so you tell me what like, the book is about, like yeah, I uh, get the the, the cliff notes. Ride, Sally, ride. Sex, yeah, it yeah. This guy destroys a sex doll and gets charged for murder, and because that's how crazy the world gets. And that was one of the things we talk, were talking to Wilson, Doug Wilson about is like this is prophetic, like because it's supposed to take like two take place two decades in the future. This book, yep. but it could take two months in the future or the past as far as like how crazy things have gotten. He wrote this before uh, COVID and before George Floyd and before 2020. And all this so well the crazy part was i was expecting him to say like you know six months before he said three years ago the concept came up oh which yeah is, yeah that was crazy for like whoa you three years ago you came up with this concept and what do you say satire is impossible like satire, yeah. <laughs> like satire has become impossible because the crazy absurd thing is reality now yeah and that it's true like all these like insane things like someone might be charged for murder in the future of killing someone's sex doll if they identify the sex because that's the big thing is that this man identifies this sex doll as his wife, his right? Wife. And so right. because he identifies it as his wife, it is. Right. So this truth has become such a wishy-washy thing that if you identify that, then that becomes reality and the truth. Mm -hmm. And so when you destroy it, you've you've murdered his wife, right? Right. And so that's the insanity of, of this kind of futuristic world, not so futuristic world that he's creating. But he also talks about like the mass exodus from California <laughs> and the migration yeah. of the and the migration of the states and how the prosperous states and the, the dilapidated states basically and all these things and <laughs> how the United States have, have become un, you know disunited like uh, divided states of America and it, it's crazy like man that's that's freaky to see like literally mass exodus of California we're literally seeing that from anybody who can get out of California. Right. And New York too, like a lot of places, they're they're getting out of there. So, man, that's it's, it's very prophetic, very weird to see like how close this kind of dystopian, sort of dystopian future is. Mm. <laughs> well, and then the freaky thing about it is that it keeps like more of it keeps happening. So the magazine that you showed me this week, as yeah. we're getting ready to prep for all of this, it just next level. Yeah. I know it was weird. We're getting we're gearing up for this, and then this is the uh, September issue of National Geographic. Meet the robots. <laughs> and yeah, it's some weird, you know, the probably the most disturbing graphic, you know, actually graphic, amazing photographs and stuff. Right. Ah, robots praying with a Buddhist monk. And the story behind that is this guy, uh, I forget his name. I don't say that name. Uh, Buddhist monk. <laughs> He, he he was very taken with AI. He was very taken with robotics and, and the idea of that. And his his idea was that we could recreate the Buddha and hear the words from him himself. And that was kind of his idea. He realized he then realized we're decades and decades away from anything like that. But that was his fascination with it. Um, he says uh, he thought about reproducing the Buddha himself in silicone, plastic, and metal. With Android versions of the sages, he said Buddhists could quote hear their words directly. So, you know, and like we, that that, that was kind of his idea of this like these religious leader robots, and it's very weird, very like creepy. 
<laughs> you know what that um uh, i Sex mean robots. you don't get back to it but you've heard the the what's happening it's, now it's, it's well, here well here's what's great i thought about this after we stopped talking you, you've heard about before i'm sure you've seen before the idea that like in greek temples they used to have pipes and stuff hooked up to the the statues in there so that if you dropped a coin in it would make a noise or something like that so you felt like the god was talking to you through the statue mm. so oh, it's yeah. kind of it, yeah it's kind of yeah. the same thing yeah that's what and he kind of talks about that too about the temples right this guy yeah um talking about the temples used to have statues and now they could speak to you and stuff and uh it was very weird it says uh yeah for centuries temples and shrines have used statues to attract people and get them to focus on Buddhist tenets. Quote, now for the first time, a statue moves, Goto said. Like, well, yeah, they start moving. I mean, that, like, so then that kind of brought the question of is, uh, are these robots or like at least sex robots or temple priest robots, uh, idols? Is that, is that a graven image? Mm. Uh, and we asked Doug Wilson about this and he was saying, yeah, that's a graven image of the God of ourselves. Right. Right. We're worshiping ourselves. And mm. that's like the biggest false God right now. Right. Is self idolatry. And now we're creating, trying to create beings in our image. <laughs> right. You well, know? I, I really liked what he said about it too. Cause he said, you know, we, we've, we've talked about before how the, the biggest temptation is to worship self, not Satan or whatever else. It's always self. We want to be God. Yeah. Right. And he, what he said that was really interesting was, well, every God eventually demands a temple. And yeah. that was like, this is our moment. We're building our temple to self in yeah. AI. This one, this one creator of uh, these life-size sex dolls says, engineers and artists who create robot companions that can appeal to hearts and minds as well as sex organs. Like that's, I mean, that's nuts. Yeah. Like that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to replicate it. They're saying that, you know, uh, we don't have, uh, we don't today have a, a real artificial intelligence that resembles a human mind, but I think it, we will. I think that is inevitable. Hmm. I, th that just reduces the human mind so much. Right. And I, I don't think it'll ever be possible to replicate person, personality. Hmm. And because that's, I mean, that's what we talk about consciousness and the soul. Right. right, which we don't even understand within ourselves. Right, right. Scientifically, nat from a strict naturalist materialist point of view, we don't have answers for consciousness and the soul and personality mm -hmm. and, the, and these self-awareness kind of things. Well, how in the world could we even start to create well, that I mean, in a robot? That That's the problem when you start with a conclusion and then work your way backwards to a premise. Like if you're a naturalist, then all of this stuff must just be electricity and chemistry. That's all it is. So yeah. we just have to figure out how. Like they don't know they're starting with the with the uh, conclusion already. Mm -hmm. That's the problem, and then working backwards. Yeah, but man, yeah. it's it's creepy. It's getting weird, man. Yeah, this one guy says we need to adapt to them as, as he said as to a different species. He says, you know, we're not uh, robots can walk as well as a person. He's like, it's going to be many years before a bipedal robot can even walk as as well as a person. Mm -hmm. huge. Robots are not going to be artificial people. We need to adapt to them as to a different species, which I think that might be the best way to like, because so then the question is, what about, is all automation bad? What about robots that make cars and assemble right. things? What if it's just like this robot arm moving pieces? Like, should we stay, that's not a graven image and like trying to create in our own image, is it? I mean, what about even computers? The, the, what they used to call the electric brain. The, right. <laughs> you know, it's a giant, giant room size calculator 
that yeah and that kind of goes back to like what what we've talked with abby about too about like progression and technology mm-hmm. and progress in that area as right. far as like no you should do it yourself mm-hmm. instead of having like a machine or something do things for you and it's like well i'd rather have a calculator than like trust right. my own math you know <laughs> so <Right>. then <laughs> but it's essentially doing what we do you know is like right. calculating facts and figures and things so is that and that's not replicating the human mind, you know? No, because I think, you know, the difference between automation and what we're talking about is that idea of artificial intelligence. I, I asked mm-hmm. a guy this once because I met a guy who worked on uh, machine learning. And mm-hmm. I asked him, I, I was like, what's the difference between programming a machine and teaching a machine? And he said, when you program it, it can only do these specific things that you tell it to do. But when you're teaching it, you're trying to get it to adapt to changing situations. So you don't want it to follow a program. You want it to be flexible. So there's that openness kind of to it. Right. So it, it doesn't it doesn't have to follow these specific controls. It's like us. We can think in different dimensions. We can see things from different angles. That's the goal. But I th- see that again. That's what's we, we haven't even perfected that in humanity. As right. far as like not <laughs> just acting on our programming. Right, right. Or acting on our worldview or whatever. It's like who, who, how many people have an open mind to mm-hmm. hear someone else's side or understand somebody else's position or even attempt to fully instead of just you know rep, you know repeating your own biases and stuff we haven't got that down as humans we're trying to do it for <laughs> trying to make computers and robots with open minds that can learn new things and be open to different ideas again we haven't even perfected that ourselves that's a rarity in humans <laughs> that someone yeah, can, I mean, can but be that objective <laughs> that was always the uh what was the name of the there's an old sci-fi novel and that was kind of the conceit of sci-fi one of the terrors of sci-fi was always the idea of the ai taking control like the ai will know what's best and it'll take control of it. it's the major Terminator. Terminator, yeah yeah that, you know that reminds me of uh did you see, ever watch the animatrix that like sequel but not sequel that they made yeah that weird the, yeah straight yeah. to DVD. yeah yeah and they have yeah. that whole sequence where they play out the war and how it happened and it started with ai somebody made an ai and the ai wanted to live it just it's weird man yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey where it's like, right. you're, I, I have a, I have a responsibility to fulfill the mission. You're impeding on the mission. Right. So I right. have to overcome you. Mm. And so I was like, oh, what do you think about that in the programming? Or whatever. <laughs> like, we never do. That's the problem. Yeah. And it's like, the only way to protect humans is to destroy them. <laughs> from <laughs> protect humans from themselves. They started to, you know, whatever, you know, the, the sci-fi stories go. Right. But so what did you think about this book as uh, now, you know, Douglas is not here on with this. Uh, what, <laughs> what, did you, what did you think about the book just in general, like as far as themes and, and did it work as a narrative and, and storytelling and stuff? When I was reading it, I don't know if Abby's watching, if she was, I, I was texting Abby while I was reading. I was like, dude, you got to read this. You got to read this. Like I could not stop reading it. I plowed through it super yeah. fast. I was following it right. And it was, it was really the themes because he has these sections where he has uh, two characters talking back and forth and they're working out like a philosophical idea. And it's just clicking in my head. Like I've never thought of that before. That's a different way to look at it. That makes a lot of sense. And it's yeah. just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, stuff that I, I, there was like, you know, when he's talking with that one guy and he's, he's explaining how, how everything became divided and like the right. great, what, what, what he calls the troubles of 2024. Because in 2024, uh the, the something went down things happened a lot, a lot of different things happened and it was kind of building up into this big avalanche of, of stuff that eventually kind of broke the united states and, and and really messed everything up and this is like two two decades after 
2024 and stuff. So, yeah. but there was, you know, what was it like uh, the reversal of Roe v. Wade? Right. That right? was a big, that was a big, big disruption. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, what else was it? Like they found a, they found a T-Rex that's mummified instead of fossilized. Right. So it like blew the whole Darwin timeline out of the water and stuff. And it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, so then we, we started rethinking everything, you know, and then we're still more divided on, on those questions of origins of life and things. Um, and then, uh, what was the, oh, the cherry, cherry on top. Well, that was the cherry on top. He's talking about like with the, right. the collapse of Darwinism. Right. And that was really interesting too, because he, he pointed at, it says, uh, that the downfall of Darwinism was by mostly atheists who didn't mind punching holes in what they regarded as a sham and embarrassment to science. And that was really compelling because I do see a lot of non-Christian atheist, reasonable people going against some of these crazy godless ideas of right. like the woke scolds and freedom of uh, speech and all the kinds of things that, that we're just losing our minds on today that is not being championed by the conservative Christian right, you know? And so that's really interesting that it would just take consistent, honest, you brought up his debates with uh, Christopher Hitchens, right. who's pro-life. Right. Who was pro-life. Wild-eyed atheist. Yeah. <laughs> but also pro-life. And it's like, he's just being consistent with what we call human life and right. the progressions of it, even from a Darwinist evolutionary worldview of like what is this other than a human life it's like beating heart like this is you know this is human life and we're destroying it so yeah i mean just atheists non-christian working people being consistent with what they say they believe well it's just there's always as humans we've always wanted the we've wanted the promises of god without god like that's right. the whole thing we, we want we wanted the fruit because it made us wise well we didn't want to get wisdom from god we wanted it for ourselves and i think atheists have been playing that game for a long time they want all the benefits of the christian world without christianity yeah what what they don't like come to think of is that the monster always turns on you so you can use this beat stick for so long but eventually someone's going to use it on you because you have no categories <laughs> like we talked about you have no categories yeah. say you know this far and no further they don't have right. that it's like well, why not keep going keep going yeah. And there's, there's, there's no limiting principles and, right. and, and everything is arbitrary, right. right? Like, you know, the $15 minimum wage, right? Well, why not $20? Right. Why, well, why, not, why not 25? Why, why not deal? make the minimum wage a hundred dollars? They can afford it. Amazon can afford it. What? Everybody gets a hundred bucks an hour. And then like, that's where you get not? universal, universal basic income. Why even work? Why don't we just pay you? <laughs> well, that's automation. Oh, yeah. that's the automation thing. Yeah. And that's actually, there, there is an argument to be made as far as like the speed at which uh, workers are being replaced with automation, you know, what, should there be some kind of safety net as far as like, they just happened overnight. You know, that's something that this book talked about too, or the, the National Geographic talked about like uh -huh. uh, being replaced by automation. And it's like, it's, it, it could literally happen overnight. Like we bought this new program and now all our cashiers are gone. And well, like, I mean, my Walmart, uh, my Walmart took out more than half the registers and it's all self-checkout now. It's just yeah. cheaper. You need two employees and that's it. And you self-checkout. And you don't got to pay them health insurance. Right, exactly. <laughs> and they're not going to protest. They're, they're and not gonna... You know what? And no one complains. That's the thing. Like when I see the self-checkout, I'm like, oh, good. Thank God it's a self-checkout. I would if it was better. Uh, like the self-checkout, I hate – like I, I try to avoid the self-checkout because it's always like error, call a cash. And I'm like <laughs> – 
what's the, so, uh, <laughs> if it works, then it's great. But yeah. if it doesn't, and someone has to come over anyway, then I'm wasting time. Then it's just dumb. The only um, time I've had a problem with it is if, if I buy beer, they have to send someone to verify that I'm. Yeah. Over. yeah or like the, I hate the like produce, and it's like, well, I don't know what kind right. of tomatoes these are. And like <laughs> looking up the code and whatever. Yeah, it can get kind of weird. But yeah, overall, I mean, and, and it sucks. So it's like, what is the answer to that? Because a lot of people could be put out of work very quickly, uh, and like truck drivers and stuff, like automated right. trucks. It's like, well, that's it. That's what I've been doing for the last twenty years. You know, yeah. I have, like, learn to code. Oh, okay. You know, like, <laughs> well, I mean, and you know, what's what's the biblical answer to that kind of thing? Family and church, mm. right? That's yeah. when when you're on hard times and you have nowhere to go. Where do you turn to? You turn to your family. You turn to church. That's where we should be helping, but we're they don't do that anymore. And well, actually, we, so that's the thing. That's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Like, right? Did did the government step in because the church got lazy and didn't do those things, or did the church stop because the government started doing it? I don't know the history, like really, of, of how that 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 uh shift shifting pedals you know right work, I mean, but if, if you look at like the world if you go to the hospital it's always you know first baptist or methodist general or something like that like these were all clearly christian institutions that are now government or private run like what even happened Har even harvard and like the university right, exactly. like all seminaries and stuff first yeah. so like what happened what <laughs> why did we step out so much that somebody else just took over i don't know it's no, no uh, accountability i don't know just like well you know if i'm going to be part of this church community uh, and you know i'm going to say i'm a christian yeah. But, I mean, there shouldn't be a transactional thing there. It should Christian charity should be Christian charity, right? And that's it, right? So, well, uh, you know, on the Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro had a debate about that, about the automated trust. Yeah, yeah. And Shapiro was saying like, we have to let it happen. You can't stop progress. And right. Tucker was saying like, you make up a reason why. You just stop it because you can't put that many people out of work and expect everyone to be okay. Yeah, I mean, well, there's there's truth to both sides of that debate. Because, it, I mean, the truth is, like, it could happen very quickly. If it was, like, I think a lot of the technological advancements we've seen were very gradual, very slow. But now, and this is something Doug Wilson talked about, too, with the progression of the insanity of where we're going with, like, sex robots and, I, I, you know, the relativism of truth and everything, that it happened so quickly. We didn't expect it. That we, we thought maybe someday down the line we could reach these kind of weird mm -hmm. ideas. But it happened so quickly. And that's 2020s, like, jumped. 10 years into yeah. the, the insane future that we just imagined. And we talk about like uh, transgender or drag queen story hour. Yeah. And stuff. He's like, he said, if you mentioned that 10 years ago, he said that you would have been laughed, you know, out of the room, but like, that's a real thing. Now. And I was like 10, right. you know, that, that's even like 20 years ago. <laughs> I was thinking like 20, but you know, yeah. 10 years ago, five years ago, what was crazy five years ago? What was crazy three years ago? You know, who, who knows? So, yeah, I'm reading White Fragility right now, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Have you enlightened yourself? Do you know? Do you realize you're the problem now? Yeah, I hate my white skin. I just I can't <laughs> escape it. It's, it's like, it's, I, yeah, honestly, like, it's weird. It's almost like she gets off on, like, I, you know, you're, I'm a racist. And I'm, and, you know, like, <laughs> that's what she says. She's white. Robin D'Angelo is a white lady. And it's like, okay, so you're saying you're racist? And then she's saying yes. And it's like, okay, well, I just assume not take advice from a self-proclaimed racist. Right. Let me tell like, you somebody who's not a racist. Why would I listen to you and say you're a racist? <laughs> and then she, but, but it's the perfect play, this white fragility, because it's like, because exactly what I'm doing right now is white fragility. Mm. So you either agree, if you disagree, you're proving white fragility. Right. 
because white fragility is getting defensive about being called a racist, mm-hmm. right? So if someone calls you a racist and you get defensive, that's white fragility, right? So what's the what's the only if you disagree, then you're denying your white supremacy, right? And your white your race your racism. So you either have to agree or prove the book's point. <laughs> and then if you agree, you prove the book's point. Exactly. You're right. yeah. exactly. It's, per- it's a perfect like setup. It's the perfect tactic because perfect then it's time. like, I literally, it's like, well, I can't agree with that. I can't, can't argue with that. It's like, no, I literally can't argue with that. <laughs> like the way you set up the premises in the, in the, in the beginning is just like, well, that's it. Like there's, there's nothing to say, but I'm sorry. And thank you for like, that's literally what she's saying. Like when, when someone can, this was like the really dangerous part too. She, she was saying we can't allow the method of, how someone is delivering this message of you're a racist to distract from, because if someone, if someone's like, you're a racist and like, she said, if someone screams and points at you and says, you're a racist aggressively. Right. And you were like, Oh, okay. That's kind of harsh. It's like, you're, you're, you're putting your white feelings over <laughs> their truth. Right. And so your white feelings don't, you know, you've been offended and you, get to say what kind of criticism is authorized, you know? And it's like, <laughs> this is like literally just thank you. And right. <laughs> like, that's literally what she's saying is like, we cannot, you, you cannot react to even how they communicate, which, mm-hmm. which blows human communication. A hundred years of human communication out the window. Not right. what you say, it's how you say it, right? right how right. important is that? Body language, all intent these things. doesn't matter. No, no None intent. of that matters cross-racially from, from, from black to white of, with the accusation of racism. That is it. It's just true. And if you're defending yourself, you're proving your white fragility. Hmm. And it's like, oh, man, that's a perfect. You know what's crazy about what you're saying is like, I'm hearing you say this and I'm thinking Romans. Right. Like no one yeah. has any excuse. Everybody is a sinner, but mm. you will say blah, blah, blah. And I say to you, who are you, oh man, to answer? Like what, what we've yeah. done is put ourselves as God and we're going to decide. And you can't talk back to me about what I'm saying. I make the rules. I'm God. Who are you, a white man? Right. To, exactly. To talk exactly. back to the minority. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird. Like I don't want to get the whole like analysis of that I book because I do want to, <laughs> I do want to analyze that book on, on the podcast and talk about it. But mm. there, I, I'm, I'm finding myself agreeing with a lot of it actually, mm. not for the same reasons right? that, that she presents, but like, we're all, you, you're, we're all racist. You're, well, I say we're all, but you're racist and you can't, <laughs> you can't escape it, which right. I would say, yes, we're born with the sin nature and we do commit the sin of racism. That's true. And we have no hope of escaping that sin without Christ. Well, you know, that would not be her solution. But right. the, the premise of uh, it is there of like, you know, and I brought this up with, with Doug Wilson as well. And he was talking about how like the, the need for regeneration mm-hmm. and how we're doing these things because we want to be regenerated. That's where AI right. too, like we want to be, make ourselves better, mm-hmm. you know, not yes. improve humanity. Let's just do over with artificial intelligence <laughs> and make them the future. There's right. a show I'm watching right now called Raised by Wolves. On HBO, uh, it's a uh, Ridley Scott uh, okay. universe thing right. with robots with the milk blood and stuff, and right. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it's these two robots who are it's in the future, it's just dystopian future. The Earth has been destroyed between a, by a battle between the religious and the atheists. Mm. So it's like the religious. And it looks pretty Catholic. It's like kind of right. like Templar. It's a fake religion. It's the Mithraic, you know. Okay. So 
myth right 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 so and they're the crazy religious zealots and stuff and they're destroying all the athe atheists are kind of the underground movement and they're rebelling and stuff and they're you know kind of antifa type um sectarian whatever right but uh they escape on this arc to another planet well one of the atheists sends these two robots with a bunch of embryos to that planet as well and mm. Well, I don't know if he, they meant to, he meant to send it to the same planet where all the uh, religious <laughs> people were going, but he sent it out and then in hopes to that these two male and female robots would uh -huh. raise the babies in right. an atheistic society, hmm. no, no religion, no anything. But in these humans, they, they start, and it's like no war, no religion, only reason and logic and like all these things and, and stuff. And, and it's this harsh planet and they're having trouble and everything. And it's, it's pretty interesting. It's a really like social experiment, you know, kind of criticism right, right. on that. And it's really interesting to see how, like, how would robots raise humans mm -hmm. and that, you know, programmed by atheists, right. robots programmed by atheists to raise humans. And she, and she's saying like, they, 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 they have no concept of war, but they're fight They're playing war. They're fighting with each other, mm. and it's like they get angry and and you know some and jealous, and they punch each other, and it's like, how do they know that was a thing? <laughs> you know, which right. goes to like we're we're not racist and we're not evil, and society is is what changes. Like all people are born good, right, right. And then society is what corrupts you, right, right. Well, where does that start? Who's the society of people? who apparently were, uh, you know, supposedly born good, also were corrupted by other people in the society who were also born good. So right. where did it start, right? Like, and so you want to blame this, this other's evil society, corrupt society made up of humans doing what humans do. And <laughs> that, that, you know. <laughs> that reminds me, of this is off topic, but it was hilarious. My, my son was having a fit because it was nap time. So I brought him out here and I saw the first time of it, like the first time I ever saw him being be thoughtfully malicious. He uh, I was changing his diaper and I was like, you got to go to bed. It's time for bed. And he looked at his hand and he practiced making like a fist and then he put it against my chin and pushed it like he's trying to punch me and he just doesn't know how yet. And it was it was so funny. Yeah, <laughs> it was so funny and kind of startling to see that like malice in his head. Like, I want to hurt you right now. And, and you know, here where none of us ever have wanted to hurt him, so it's not like we he like we taught right. him to be malicious. He just is yeah. because he's angry. His he's human with fallen sin nature, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> like they, no one, you can't. We don't have to be like taught to lie. We right. have to be taught. If I lie, if I say something that's not true about in this situation, that will that will save me from pain and punishment. Correct. Or so whatever. to to, uh, <laughs> to circle back to the robots because you know. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about robots. Yeah. <laughs> well, the place where it gets weird is is when we like you know when we talk about AI, it's a little odd. Uh, Elon Musk wants to put chips in all our brains, like whatever. It's a little weird, but that's his plan. The Neuralink, man. We're all mm -hmm. going to be the Unimind. They we're all chipped. getting together. Yeah. Six six six. I saw a guy today who's he's building. He he doesn't have any fingers, and he's building himself a uh, uh, an aluminum hand, all aluminum, and it just it moves with it by. It's just really cool. Oh, but where it gets weird is when we start to get into that idea of sex robots. Yeah. And, you know, the the new term that I still, you know, we, we used to just call them socially awkward people, but now it's incels, involuntary mm -hmm. celibates. Like. 
choices are being made right there right <laughs> the, 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 well that's the involuntary well it's it, it's, it's brushing off any sort of responsibility right that i'm a weirdo you know <laughs> we used to work around a lot of incels <laughs> There's the there's an alternate name for the comic book store. <laughs> the Intel support group over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one, man. I mean, but yeah, the the answer is not plastic silicone. Right. Like, but in it, it, it a relationship, doesn't you can't right. have a relationship with an inanimate object. If, and I, and I, even I, if it moves according to programming, it's still inanimate. Like, but, it's still not conscious. You have a relationship with people with persons right personal but i think to an extent we've already been kind of getting ourselves in that mind space like with our phones like mm -hmm. logically i know i'm talking to you but right. i'm doing it through my phone so yeah. like the idea of checking you know using technology to make a connection is not that far off like we, we've kind of been like slowly progressing towards that idea of like relationship with tech right now yeah. it's relationship through tech it's through tech right, right. but it's like That's half a step to relationship with tech there's a consciousness and personality on the other side of right. this tech. But, so why not just put it, that inside? Because you can't. Yeah, well, I know that, and you know that. But <laughs> to, <laughs> well, the, I mean, to the activalistic materialist, there's yeah, no reason why you can't. It, it's fake. Yeah, right. If everything's reduced to the atoms, then, yeah, there should be no reason we can't recreate this chemistry into right. a, a, a robot or a computer or something. Right. So, but, but you can't like, again, we don't even understand it in ourselves. We, we, we have no basis in naturalist, strictly materialist science to account for mm -hmm. human consciousness or morality or logic or reason or like what, how much does logic weigh? Like we can't quantify these things materially. Right. So materialistically. So Disney actually, <laughs> that's uh, the only way we're approaching it. Disney plus had a weird series. It, it wasn't even a series. It was like a documentary, but it was like six episodes about like AI and it was examining the idea of AI and the ethics behind it. And the premise was that a family had a teenage daughter that died. And so to replace her, they, they programmed an AI to have her thoughts and emotions and feelings. So it was a robot that looked exactly like her and for mm -hmm. all intents and purposes thought and acted like she would, but it just wasn't real. Yeah. That's so creepy to think that not only yeah. do people think that's possible, but they think it's good. Yeah, it's that, that, well, again, it's that, that search for immortality. We're trying to yes. regenerate ourselves where we will live on forever in the singularity right. and, and download our consciousness so that they can, you can learn things in the future and, and, and just stay alive forever through the internet and through downloadable files and data and stuff like mm. that. But, but it, but it all comes from this, this desire for immortality and regeneration. Right. And so, but like we have that already in Christ. And so that's, that's the only thing, you know, and, and that goes beyond the material that goes beyond those things, but we don't, we don't look at it that way. Right. Well, I don't think it's even not that we don't look at that that way I, for, you know, an atheist, maybe that's true, but I think it's that when we talk about Christ and the immortality he gives, it requires sacrifice, right? Like mm -hmm. you, in, in one sense, being a Christian doesn't require anything because you don't do the thing to to achieve it. Right. Like it's not of your works, it's of his grace. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's that whole idea of any man would follow after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. Like you don't get to just have it. There's sacrifice. There's putting off of the self. There's uh, right. you know, crucifying the flesh every day. Yeah. That's the part that we don't like. The singularity, I don't have to do anything. We'll just plug mm -hmm. me in and I'm ready to go. Mm. Yeah, if I'm rich enough, I can just pay for it and just have right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> which is we we all want to always want to buy our salvation. 
Right. I always want to pay off our. I, it's, it's modern indulgences, man. Yeah, it's a settle. It's a settlement for our right. right. sexual harassment. Like we pay something off just to shut up. So our twelve hundred dollars stimulus check. <laughs> to stay home. I talked about that. Like the government paid us all to take the summer off. <laughs> On twelve hundred dollars. Summer twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, it's all old senators. So back in their day, that was a lot of money. Yeah, like, huh? Yeah, Joe Biden. Oh, no, my salary. Cryogenics yeah. is a weird one, man. Did Did you ever read uh, Transmetropolitan? No, I haven't read that one. There was an issue about cryogenics where uh, a woman a had herself frozen. Way. Yeah, it was a comic book by Warren Ellis. I think we're not supposed to say his name anymore. He got canceled recently. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, they had an issue about that, about cryogenics, where somebody died and had themselves frozen and woke up in the future, and it was, like, jarring because it was a future they didn't recognize. Like Walt Disney? That's the rumor. I haven't yeah. seen it. I went to Disney World. I didn't see the bunker, but <laughs> cryogenics. That's weird. Yeah, it's just like. But it's really weird later. to talk about, like, because it sounds weird because we're talking about silicone and plastic and programs. But on the on the base level, on the surface level, it's everything we've always been trying to do. Like, sex robots are not any different than prostitution or porn. Yeah, it's just us trying to fulfill a flesh desire through an alternate route than what we were intended to do, right? The the yeah. idea of the singularity and cryogenic sounds weird, but it's just us not wanting to die, but to do it our own way. Right. We're, it's all that same thing. Perverting redemption and regeneration. Right. Exactly. Like perverted sex and, and money. Right. Exactly. Because we're the gods, so we define the terms. We decide yeah. what's what. And you know, like so. Uh, Doug Wilson is a post-millennialist. Right. So, I mean, in the future, thinking the future will gradually get better overall, and there will be a golden age of Christian, uh, like... Christendom, but truly. Rule? Right. Dominant? <laughs> They're going to sound clip that, and that's where radical Christian desires... <laughs> I, I had rule and dominance and reign in my head. Like, I was trying to, like, think, what, what's another, what's a better word than, than those? <laughs> But a golden age of, of the church uh, is is like church culture being the culture. Right. And like that's, you know, what's going on. And so like so – but this is like a dystopian future. It's very mm -hmm. weird for post-millennialists right, to write a, a, a future so bleak. Um, but I feel like the book wasn't really that bleak ultimately. No. Even yeah. even in the troubles, even in the like times and stuff, it wasn't right. that – it's pretty funny actually and like kind of <laughs> lighthearted, so especially at the end. Right, but, right. Um, yeah. So, but so tech and post millennialism, like th this isn't to say that we're against progress or like, I think, you know, anybody asks like, what, what's the best time, best decade or era you want to live in? I say right now, like I would right. want to live now over any other decade in, in the, in the history of the world uh, because of air condition and deodorant <laughs> and like indoor plumbing and stuff like these things are really great. These are advancements in technology. And I think through automation and, and a lot of those things be, place workplaces become safer for people right and we're you know we have machines going up to bombs instead of my dad right <laughs> that's exactly what happened and so like that's good that's a good thing it's progress in like the safe of saving human humanity and stuff right so but at the same time we can't think we can't be creating these robots and, and, and machines and technology in our own image in in, in some hope, so hope of regeneration or immortality in them right like they'll always serve us. Like they will always be a tool. They won't be a 
person with rights or anything like that. They will be just molecule, like, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, the problem, especially when we talk about sex robots, is that in certain areas, when we start to think in that way, we see people as tools, as means to an end, right? Like the, the, the sexual culture, it's the, the reference in the epistles where Paul talks about how, you know, they will say the food is for stomach and the stomach is for food, right? Like the whole mm -hmm. idea is that if you have a desire, then your body's meant to fulfill it. So just do it. Mm. And that's kind of how we look at each other sometimes. I think when we get into these weird sexual spaces, it's like, well, my body has a desire for this sexual gratification. So why should I not get it? And you're here to help me get it. Like we're, yeah. we're, means, we're means to an end. We're not, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we, well, and we do that too, but then we, we, start contradicting ourselves and like living in this weird delusional space where like, you know, we look at animals and say, well, this, this lion or this, um, dog or this, any, this, whatever, uh, has sex with many partners over his life. So like monotony is not natural kind of thing. Right. 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 And so why, so what marriage, what is this? This is an unnatural thing. And I should just be having sex with a bunch of different women getting right. pregnant as many men do. Right. And because they say like, well, we ain't other little mammals, right? So, right. <laughs> as, the, as the song would tell us, but um, you know, and so so we start appealing to that, like this brutism, right? And there's just these these things, and so yeah, we, that becomes the excuse and, and the reason to do to just throw off marriage and throw off mono monogamy and, right. and those things. So, uh, but that's not true. Like that's not we're not right. animals. Like we're not. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's the, I think that's the appeal of the sex robot is that there's no guilt. In, in a sense, right? Like you're not hurting yeah. anyone. What's the problem? Yeah. Well, yeah. And when, it, when we, when we have multiple partners, when we cheat on people, when we just have sex with anybody at random, we do end up hurting people. We don't understand that. Right. Like, well, we're animals aren't, you know, like the female dog isn't upset when the dog, the, the, the mutt runs around the neighborhood, you know, right. impregnating all the dogs in the yard. So like, <laughs> you know, or, you know, so why are you, you know, because we're right, human, right. because we have something that's, we're not animals. Like, so like, this is, this is different. So, but yeah, but we're, that's what I mean by the delusional kind of denial thing. Like we're all just animals, but then we get, we, we, we know that this is not right. We get hurt when someone cheats on us. We, we hurt when these things happen. So it's, and it's weird that, like, you know, it, I mean, it's not weird, but it is weird in some way that every technological advance immediately gets turned into an object of sex, right? Like when, when we, when we invent motion pictures, then we start having peep shows. When we have automobiles then teen pregnancies go through the roof, when we get yeah. the internet, then porn takes over. Yeah. Like, of course, when we start thinking about androids, it's like, well, can I have sex with it? <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's a thought that's floating out in the ether. Right. Yeah. This is how you we know? sexualize this. Right. That's Cause we're yeah. at our core, we're sexual beings like yeah. by design. It's, it's not weird. And that's that was uh, you know Doug Wilson's uh, like subtitle of the book, right. sex, sex rules, which kind of has uh, some multiple meanings there as far as like the sex rules. What do you say? The what are the what are the sex rules of Toronto? Right. Well, there they could be this and that. It's the customs and the what are the, the, what are the yeah regulations of it. But then uh, also like sex rules, uh, everything right? Like everything's right. connected by it, and and that is. Is, is everything there was that quote I, we didn't i didn't mention the quote in the when our conversation with doug wilson but um when the guy says uh everything's connected always connected economic suicide is accompanied by demographic suicide sexual license helps to keep everybody distracted mm. that is related to intellectual suicide and without god there is no reason not to be suicidal mm. 
so yeah it's like this weird um it's all connected it, everything right. is connected i remember he was talking about in another uh podcast too about like you were you're held you're trapped by your sexual sin and like your, right. all your sexual secrets and stuff too mm-hmm. there's a character in the book that uh has a porn addiction and right. and his wife finds out about it and stuff. So this keeps him from speaking up in church and from right. doing anything else because I could be found out. What if I'm found mm-hmm. out? My hypocrisy is shown. And then they, so then what's the answer? Don't speak out. Don't do anything. Don't say anything. Because, and that, because then it's like, well, then I don't have to worry about being a hypocrite if I never right. say anything because my own, you know, specifically sexual sin. And that's, and he was saying like, you're held captive by that. And everything you do online is tracked by, Google or whoever, right. <laughs> right. So, uh, conceivably someone could point to that and say, this is, this guy's being hypocritical. This is whatever, you know? And so we don't say anything and then we're trapped. And so then in that way, we're like, he said, we're like a, a rat in a cage. So every right. time you do something, especially online where everything's tracked, you're, you're saying I'm a rat in a cage and I'm going for my little treat. And then I'm just right. going to stay in this little cage. Mm-hmm. And, and in that way it, it rules us and it, it, is our God. And it, you know, just traps us basically. That was the, that was the whole thing with the, the Duggars. I forget which one of them it was the whole 19 kids oh. and counting. But when it came out, when the, the Ashley Madison emails got leaked, that one of them was a member oh. on the, you know, you know, find your, find your adultery partner site. And yeah. one of their emails came out. I was like, each, you yeah, can't get more public than that. There's a Senator, like this democratic Senator right now, like it has texts of, of with someone's not his wife. And it's like, and now, you know, it's costing in the election and stuff. It's like, <laughs> that's just so cliche, like, at this point. Like, <laughs> how do you not, if you're a public official, how are you sending a text? Like, what, is the, what is the, just like, you are stupid. Yes. Like, you literally but- don't think, I'm sending, I'm a public <laughs> official, and I'm sending sex to someone. But, like, okay. How do you think that's not going to get caught? Like, it's insane. I don't know if it was the apologia guys who said it or the cross politics guys who said it. One of them might have said it from the other, but they've said before that sin makes you stupid, and it's true. Like how many it's situations amazing. do you find yourself in where you're like, I can't believe this is happening, and if I had thought for half a second, it wouldn't be happening. But I wasn't thinking; I was just chasing the flesh, and now I'm yeah. here. It's amazing. It's insane. Yeah, I can't even like. <laughs> yeah i don't know and, and i'm a sinner i mean i'm sure this right things, you know it's just like oh it's stupid but um i don't know i, I think you know I, i've always thought i'll get caught anything on if i do anything if i take the bikes out and i wasn't supposed to or so if i whatever if i do something mm-hmm. like sneaking out of my house like that was never a thought like i right. sneak out the window to a party get caught. Like, How you get caught? I, I never think i'm gonna <laughs> ever get away with it so it's like that's not, I, I'm going to get caught. And so, I don't know. It's really weird. Maybe my mom has something to do with that. As far as, <laughs> she was like, watching like a hawk. Yeah, she, never, she was, man. She did. And so, it's like, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it's, it's to a degree, it's arrogance. Like, you think you're smarter than everybody else. Like, you're going to be the one who doesn't get caught. Yeah. And well, I, it's, it's weird, too, how people live in this kind of, like, they'll, they'll have these secrets for, like, big secrets. But then... And, but also put themselves in the front of the party and the center of attention mm-hmm. a lot of times. And it's like, why would you do that? Why would you put, but it's like, they want, it's like they have big secrets and they want spotlights on them the whole time. Yes. And it's weird. Cause it's like, why would you want that? I, that I, you think well, you would, I mean, 
that goes against the like i'm not gonna speak up because i've got secrets and stuff right but we don't. people do speak up and then their skeletons get found out and stuff. but i think that's a different type of person like the kind of person who wants to be in government is a, a different type of person like <laughs> i i can't fathom that kind of person that wants to be in government yeah, what does Joe Rogan say? Like, anybody who wants to be president shouldn't be president. Right, exactly. Like, I don't trust the guy who thinks he can be in charge of everybody. <laughs> if you want that job, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's that whole principle of, like, in, in First John where it says anybody who uh, is in First John or in John where it says uh, they hated the light because they knew if they come to it, their evil deeds would be exposed. Yeah, John 3. So they, yeah. yeah, so they kept in the darkness. Yeah, and that, and that, that, that goes to God's sovereignty of that because, like, oh, you know, whosoever believes it's like well who believes everybody's in keeping themselves in in the, in the dark because the light's right. exposing their right. Right. their evil deeds but but it but it is weird how people kind of step into that spotlight mm. to to some degree and, and but i think what they're trying to do is like point at a fake face yes so in that way they are avoiding the light right because then it's like well look over here don't right. watch well over here don't watch over here pay no attention but, to the man behind the curtain exactly so but so what do you do you make the front of the curtain so right. bright you put all the attention on the right and no one's seeing the back right. of it, right? It's like, if I can make this fake facade that I've got up front so bright and that's the right. picture and image I'm creating, no one will even care or pay attention what's going on mm -hmm. back here or whatever. Right. And yeah, but then the curtain gets pulled back. <laughs> yeah. And it always does. And we never- Always does. The thing about humans, man, we never learn. We, we, we have not changed through all of existence. We're always the same. We're always arrogant. We're always scared. We're always petty, and we always end up end up end up getting found out. Even if it's after your death, right? Right. People are gonna read your journal or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you kind of read a journal. Don't write in a journal and don't know <laughs> your secrets. Right. Yeah, that's a kind of a weird deal. Well, I mean, um, I think that's the thing with AI too. Like, if your <laughs> if your mistress is a machine, what's the you know who's gonna talk? Yeah, well, that's why you say the quiet part out loud. You 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 take away the shame. You take away mm -hmm. the the taboo of it, and just say like, boom, yeah, that's me. I, I do it. Are you gonna judge me? Are you gonna be intolerant? You're gonna be, you know? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> but that's the greatest. That's the best scam. The the intolerant scam is the best scam because it, you yeah. can do anything now. Yeah. There's no more shame. Uh, who a mutual friend of ours once said, and I've I've always remembered this, and it always stuck with me. He said, "Shame is eternal, is internal. No one can make you feel ashamed. You're not ashamed unless you feel it inside of yourself." Yeah. And to a, to an extent, that's true. Like there's yeah. things where we think like you should be ashamed of that, and people just are not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's weird, man. The, the proper sense of shame is needs to be there, right? Uh, because that does, that's like one of those limited limiting principles we're talking about. Right. That's right. Like, you know, if you're not ashamed of anything, then like, that's not okay. Cause then you'll be, <laughs> then, 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 okay. It's like, then it just becomes what's shameful now. Just wait a few years and it won't be anymore. And so that's then the, that's the people that say, I, I have no regrets. Like really none. Like I could think of like five just off the top of my head. <laughs> you're just affirming everything you've ever done. Right. Everything right. I did was right. Yeah. Cause I, I made, cause I made my own truth because I'm God. Right. Right. It's like that you were talking about a guy who like wanted to make the AI uh, religion or whatever was it? Yes. Like, yeah, I got his name. Explain that. Uh, Hang on, I'm gonna back. Explain that real quick. So uh, there was a guy. He used to be an engineer for Uber, so he was working with all of that kind of self-driving cars. And um, let me find his name, Anthony Lewandowski. So his whole idea was to program the ultimate godhead through AI, and through obedience to that, you could find 
the ultimate truth. It's always that idea that the AI can't make mistakes because computers don't make mistakes. They don't have emotion. They don't have biases, none of that. It's just program. So he fed religious text to this AI to basically take the best parts and compose a religious text. And uh, it's really interesting. If you can find it, I, I believe the podcast was called Flash Forward. And uh, it was called Our Father Who Art in Algorithm, I think. Um, they did a little a little fiction segment where they kind of played that out. But then they talked to him about it afterwards. And he talks about how he, he kind of goes through. So I was saying that the, the way I heard about this guy was there was a podcast called Flash Forward where they examine ideas of like, what would the future be like if this scenario does play out? Hmm. And they interviewed this guy, Anthony Lewandowski. And he did the whole thing where he fed sacred text to an AI and basically was like, okay, now with the program, it'll compose them into a religion that I can view as true and valid and rational and right because AI doesn't have emotions, doesn't yeah. have biases. It comes to the table completely empty. Uh, and they talked to him after the little segment they did about what he got out of the text. And it was weird to hear him rationalize it and tell you what he thought it meant and how it relates to him and about – it's weird that it's still like, well, there's self-sacrifice and there's this and there's meekness. It's like, that's, it's so weird that you're pulling those out of that idea, yeah. but it's Does that idea. infidels in there. That, <laughs> I don't know if that made it in. It didn't get out with the- <laughs> <laughs> well, Marcus Pittman, uh, formerly of apology. He's doing his own thing. Now he moved, but uh, he had a, a theory that if you were, this is his theory. And I don't know if it's wild, but it sounds very personal. If you were to create the AI and let it loose on the internet, that it would come to the conclusion that the Christian worldview is the correct one. I don't know how like true that is, but he just logically, consistently, he thinks that that's what would happen. Just by numbers of like, right? Just online. by just by logic, yeah. Just well, just by <laughs> just by examining and learning and putting pieces together, it would be like, well, this must be the correct one. Is that like the thousand monkeys in a room a typewriter? Right, eventually the type Enough, give enough time. Yeah, I know that's weird. Like that that the religious text thing, because then it's like he's looking for that objective thing, right? right. That, that that no man's land neutral. Well, right. this is everything, right? But he fed them into the machine. Right. Right. He had this idea. Exactly. So he's God. Right. <laughs> right. So who but created who created this worldview? You. Okay. Well, then now you're God, right? right. Like, who's the best God? You. Who The best God is the one who doesn't require anything of you and affirms yeah. everything you do. That's you. You're the best God. And how's that different than just having like a, a proficient working knowledge of all religions? Because like you can conceivably get a PhD and everything, you know, and, and, and understand them all and then just kind of try to live them all the way they don't contradict each other. Well, this requires less work and it allows you to kind of cast off blame. Like if something's yeah. weird, it's like, well, that's what the AI came up with. It's not my fault. That's no, just how it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird because I mean, people do that in, to some degree anyway with the kind of smorgasbord of religious ideas that they right. build for themselves, right? Right, right. Well, I like this aspect of Buddhism and I like this aspect of Christianity and right. I like this aspect of Islam. And so I'm going to, you know, like a buffet, just kind of get my plate and put everything on it. And mm-hmm. But the problem is we're trying to we're trying to say that that's a, a unique cultural cuisine. And it's like, no, it's not. You've got Mexican food, you've got Chinese food, you've got... <laughs> you know, German food, like there's still those things that you just on one plate now, you know? Right. So you're just mixing yeah. them all and they're all going to give you heartburn and probably make you throw up. So. <laughs> well, yeah, you never, 
you never eat Chinese and Mexican in the same day. It's a bad idea. I did the same. Wasn't that that like uh, how I met your mother joke? He's like, uh, no Chinese. He's like, no Chinese. He's like, all right, well, how about we go get tacos? I was like, I said no Chinese. It's <laughs> like weird me- weird meats with rice, spicy stuff. I like the, the Jim Gaffigan one about uh, at a Mexican restaurant, it's all the same ingredients, just in a different arrangement. So it's like, I'd like a chalupa. What is that? What's a corn tortilla with meat, beans, and cheese? Oh, what about a burrito? Well, that's a corn tortilla with meat, beans, and cheese, but wrapped. It's like, it's all the same, just arranged differently. Yeah. I said that one time about Mexican food, how I like to mix it on my plate of how, you know, and I, and I said it one time kind of in passing because I always do that. Like when, a lot of other things, I don't want my food touching, you know, right, right. it's weird. But with Mexican food, you do kind of just kind of mix yeah, it all. Yeah, you scoop your beans, beans into the and rice yeah. and everything. And I said it one time, just kind of in passing to somebody. And I was like, well, and you know, I, you know, it didn't matter because it was Mexican food. And <laughs> they started laughing. I was like, you don't <laughs> just mix all your Mexican food into one. And that's when they handed you a copy wow. of White Fragility yeah. to correct your biases against Mexican food. Solomon, you're a racist. <laughs> and here's why. And I said, thank you. Because <laughs> you have to. So I only accept a response. What's, what's going to happen when we start letting AI make policy? Because that's like the logical China, progression. Man, right? that's, that's the whole thing, man. That's, that's the logical progression. Like if, if, if AI is the better brain, why wouldn't you let it control everything? Why wouldn't you make it government? Why wouldn't you – let's not vote anymore. Let's eliminate error. Let's just let AI pick the next leader or be the next leader. That's the computer. I mean, I mean – that's the computerized thing of like, would you have a computer counting the votes or some biased person counting the votes? Right. Right. And they lose a ballot and they, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like, well, but, like uh, you know, simple Chad. Ultimately, the computer could be programmed by a biased person also. Right. That they like catch these ballots and throw or something. Every, <laughs> every tenth red ballot you see, throw it out or something. But, <laughs> Isn't it weird that we, that too. like, we forget, I, I don't know why, but we do forget that. Like, Every system that exists had to be programmed by a person, and that yeah. person brought his biases and his worldview to it. I don't know why we don't think that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, like that's kind of like the raised by wolves thing, where these robots are were created by the atheists, but that they have a, a particular worldview. So they're trying to create this no man's land, right? This literally no man's land on this new earth thing to to raise the the humans, but there is no no man's land. Those robots were created by someone with a worldview. Right. And so, like, you can't, like, the wheel's already in motion of the world. And so anything you have is going to have a bias. Like, there's no neutrality. Mm-hmm. Neutrality is a myth. Like, right. everybody has a worldview, and it's being taught, and it's being indoctrinated, and it's being put on entertainment, and it's been right. in our newspaper. Like, everything is biased. I mean, so you just embrace it and find out which one's more consistent and which worldview is you know, let's put them out there. It's presuppositions. And you put them right. out there and see which one adds up. Well, I mean, there was a time where we felt comfortable thinking that neutrality was a real thing. Like we used to think the news is neutral. Like they're just giving us the facts. They're not giving us any spin. And it's like, well, that's never been. The- I-, I was watching about uh, a thing about newspaper strips, newspaper comics. Mm. And I don't know if you know this, but the term yellow journalism has to do with the yellow kid comic yeah. strip. Yeah, he looks weird too. Have you yeah, seen I, yeah, I've seen it before. Creepy little bald kid with like this yeah, with yellow nightgown gown thing. <laughs> but that whole yeah. idea of that uh, journalism was always sensational. Like it's never been neutral. Yeah, that was the beginning of the newspaper, the world newspaper. Right. Exactly, right. and that it was, was always like newspaper. getting the scoop, getting the getting the ratings for whatever yeah. it was. That just it, I don't know why we've ever thought neutrality was a thing. It, it's just well, whatever mine is, that's neutral. 
That's the default. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the secular government, you know, mandated right. thing is like, well, that's different than religion. Separation of church and state is state is the neutral ground and religion is the crazy religious whack jobs. Right. There's so, rationality and then there's your opinion. And yeah, and, but they, which they can't account for pure reason according to nature either. So that's a presupposition. It's all presuppositions. Right. It's all, it's all, it's all a, a prescribed worldview, selected world, whatever, for whatever reason you selected this worldview, you've mm -hmm. selected it or been taught it or swallowed it. And now it's, that's what at the filter with which you filter every, all evidence and everything pass, pass all the evidence and answers and questions through your worldview. And everybody has one. But, so what what do you think about because this is something that's been kind of in my mind since we've been talking about it the the problem with AI and the outlook on AI seems to be the fact that it's coming from humanistic materialism like that that's the dominant worldview when we talk about AI and programming it is atheists are the ones doing AI so what's a Christian perspective on AI? What does it look like if Christians are, I mean, do we do it? Is AI okay? Do we look at it that way? Should we think, is it one of those things that we think we can, but we shouldn't? I don't think we can. And I, right. I think part of it, part of the accepting that reality mm -hmm. that we cannot replicate the human mind right? because what is in the human mind and what makes it the human mind like kind of being created in the image of God in, in that sense of dominion. We right. have, we are created in the image of God, not by our creativity or by our reason or by our imagination or consciousness, but by our dominion. Mm. That's the context of that in, in Genesis of like I've cre created them and now they have dominion and be fruitful, multiply. That's the context of those verses. Mm. So that's how we're created in the image of God by our dominion, our rule over this world. Mm. That's how we are like God. Cause, you, know, you see elephants painting with their trunks and spiders, you know, making web, beautiful webs and stuff. So this idea of creativity, see some sense of creativity and reason in animals and, and other kinds of things. But uh, our dominion over the world is what is how we're created in the image of God. It's what that means. So we can't create another thing that would have dominion even over us. Um, and, and, and part of that's the human mind and reason, our ability to reason and create and, and those things. Right. But um yeah, first of all, accepting the reality that it will never happen uh, and just seeing them as tools that help us, that we still have dominion over. We mm. program them, we create them, mm. we code them, we do all these things, and we, for our benefit. And I think that's great. And I think that's kind of a tech post-millennialist future. Uh, if anybody 100 years ago come to now, they would have thought they died and went to heaven. <laughs> like, I can tap buttons on a little thing and get food. Right. What? Okay. It's not, it's not hot all the time. I can be entertained 24-7 and comfortable and have deodorant and air conditioning <laughs> and hot water and food that doesn't kill me. And, like, most diseases are vaccinated. Like, what? This is an amazing place to live. And right. it's because of advancements in technology and computers and computer mm -hmm. So I think that's how we do it. You use it as a tool. It's like fire. You know, right. it's like wind power. Like, these are the things we use and have dominion over and will always have dominion over for our benefit and for uh, the the preservation of life mm. for the health and well-being of other people i mean there's nothing more christian than technology and like 
well-being and, and, and the welfare of human beings. That's great. That's a, a really interesting point that you just hit on that I, I guess I'd never considered before is that in the hands of secularism, technology is a way to abandon dominion instead of enhance dominion, right? Like you just talked about the idea that we can be entertained 24-7. Like that idea of endless entertainment, no yeah. work, no responsibility, and that idea of like, well, how do we – cast off dominion we'll make this thing that's better than us and it can handle all the important decisions for us it can do all the big stuff for us yeah that's that's well, a really interesting perspective that i haven't thought about before we can also have the word of god pumped into our ears 24 7 right but we don't do that because that's not that's not relaxing or calming or entertaining yeah. well i mean it's beneficial but i mean it, but we can also have psalms sung into our ears 24 7 we have right. the have them in here like anybody who's like smuggling a letter from paul come to now and they're like what right. you can just have it and it's just spoken to you by mm. james earl jones into your ear <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing like this is it's a like that's it's it, it borders on the miracle of like right. what are we actually talking about here we have health you know uh medicine i mean everything and and, and again that's you know not everybody is experiencing the the advancements of industrialization and infrastructure and technology, but they should. And I think we should be promoting that in third world countries and other places that don't have vaccines and medicine and technology and, and that kind of infrastructure and stuff, but it should, that we should have those things. Right. And it isn't like a Western philosophical enlightenment thing. This is a God thing. Mm. Like that's a, that, that's a, a gift from God. <laughs> and we Someone, can see that's the post-millennialist view right. of everyone is industrialized and technologized. And so, there is less death. There is less suffering and, and pain around the world. But what, I mean, what you're talking about and, you know, anyone who doesn't believe in post-millennialism, I'm sorry. What you're talking about is a full orb view of reality from the perspective of the Christian worldview. And, and for the most part, evangelicals don't have that idea. We still have yeah. that Greek dualistic idea where it's like spiritual and worldly. Tech is right. not spiritual. There's no spiritual aspect to tech or industry or any of that. There is the spiritual manners of church and God and prayer. And then there's everything we do here. It's a Gnostic kind of view, right. like that separation of like the right. spiritual. Exactly. Everything natural is bad. Right. Like, well, God created and called it good. So I don't know what you're. <laughs> but you know, I, we, we, we don't read the Old Testament. You're, you're talking. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Genesis. That's not. Yeah, not. That doesn't count. I was, yeah. you know, I was talking to uh, some people today on Instagram. And somebody asked, like, you know, when you read the epistles, they talk about how the gospel has gone out to the whole world. Well, they're talking about the Mediterranean. They're not talking about the whole world. They have no no concept of North America or any of that. No. So no he asked, he like, right? He was like, "Is there is there a is that a, an error? Would you consider that an error or a discrepancy?" And you know, I was talking about how the disciples may have had limited knowledge of what the world was. Right to them, the known world was the Roman Empire, and maybe a little bit past that. That's what they understood as the world. But the gospel itself doesn't have that perspective. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God and he talks about it as a mustard seed or as leaven, it's an idea of infinite growth. Yeah. Right. And uh, when he talks about uh, when he says his high priestly prayer and he says, I'm not only praying for these here, but for everybody who will believe because of the testimony of their word. Like it's yeah. that idea of the infinite, in, in the infiniteness of it all. Like mm -hmm. everybody who believes because of the testimony of their word is all of us yeah. who have the gospel from the apostles that was passed down. So, that, that whole idea of – and it's a post-millennial idea, so everybody please get on board with this – is that through – you know, the kingdom of God expands in every direction to every people, to every place, 
And technology is a means of that. That was the, that was how the Reformation got kicked off. The printing press was the yeah. engine of the Reformation. You know, the internet should be the engine of reform in America. Yeah, and it does it does bleed into everything else. Like I just read biography of Martin Luther and the Reformation and stuff, and how that kind of like sprang out of that uh, out of Germany at that time and. He should have been burned at the stake right away, right? Like John Huss before him and stuff. Right. But in other you know, heretics that who who were sticking to the word of God, being faithful, but he wasn't. And it's like, well, why not? Oh, because it was like a war with France and Germany. It's like so, you know. So there was th other things going on that he had like thirty years to. Mm -hmm. uh, so and then the printing press was created. Right. And then the, the the pamphlets and, and the books were distributed, and he and he wrote the Bible in German and, and translated the Bible into German. And so it's like the, just the mass production, like the printing press, is a miracle. Like that's right. post mill, right? Like that's a post. That's that's a post mill device. Like that's happened. And so you see the Christianization of the world spreading around of true Christian biblical Christianity spreading around the world, not the conquistador Catholic right, right. <laughs> political version <laughs> of Christianity, but the biblical version of Christianity of truth of Jesus Christ and regeneration and salvation being uh, put out there and God's sovereignty and the doctrines of grace and those mm -hmm. things being expanded around the world from this little Augustinian monk right. who was pretty insignificant, you know, and like he should have been burned right away, but he wasn't. It's just amazing. It's like, you can't look at that and see like, and the, but even from that speaking truth to power, and defying tyrants and, and really what Martin Luther inspired was like a peasant kind of uprising right, and that, right. led to, that led to uh, like kind of workers revolutions and those things and the United States of America, like defying tyrants and stuff. So on the letter of the law, on truth, on mm. inalienable rights endowed by a creator, on those ideas that this right. is what's true. You're not, you know, uh, the law is king. You are not king. King right. is not the law, right? So that so but that all kind of comes from Martin Luther in, in the Reformation in that. So you have this and, uniquely Christian thing, but spread into Western philosophy in those ideas of right. of defying tyrants and stuff. But I mean that whole idea of it, it's 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 a looking back and moving forward, right? Like the whole idea during the Reformation during that time period, during the Renaissance, during the Reformation was that idea of ad fontes, back to the sources, right? Mm -hmm. So we're gonna go back to the Bible. And right. then we're going to use the tools that we have to expand that out to everybody. Right. These aren't right. revolutionary new ideas. We've had them the whole time. Right. Exactly. They were locked up in Latin, the Latin Vulgate. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, give them to the people and let them right. understand this and, and have uh, like freedom of conscience and Christian liberty. And so right. we're not enslaved. And that was kind of the thing uh, we were talking about. Well, again, it kind of goes into like this, this inescapability of our sin and our mm. need for a savior. Right. Mm. So like we like Martin, that was a Martin Luther struggle is that he, right. he understood that what well, he thought in the Catholic system that I have to confess all my sins. If, right. if I die in any minor little sin, it means eternity in hell. And so he would be like spend hours in the confessional booth and then leave and then have a bad thought about a monk and like turn right back around. Right. And he's like, <laughs> I can never leave the confessional like that. You can't apologize enough. Yeah. And that's a that's a tenet of the woke scold left. Like, right. You can't. There's you, no penance. There's no. Our, there's no repentance. Well, it's like I'm never gonna not be white, right? <laughs> so, so I'm never gonna be guilt, not be guilty. Well, that's true. That's true. Right. Also of sinners in need of a savior. You cannot save yourself. You cannot. There's nothing you can do. You can't apologize enough. You can't do enough good deeds to make up for your sin nature. 
in your unregenerate heart. You need a savior. Hmm. And so that, so it's like, it, 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 it's, it's, it's discouraging to see the, the, the woke left with this understanding of total depravity yes. and this inescapability of, of, of our own sins and the constant, like it's, but it's a Catholic view of that eternal suffering and penance that right. you're just going to, I'm going to punish you myself, but you have to die forever to account for this. And to see that kind of hopelessness coming to the forefront in our world in this, in this kind of woke left really brings pity and like, man, instead of like just anger and and frustration against them, we should pity and just like, I wish for freedom for them. Yeah. I wish for a hope, right. Of Christ in in this understanding of you can never be sorry enough. You can never not be white. You can never not be racist. You can never not be sinful. And that's true without Christ. Right. And so that's the hope. The thing that's crazy about that is that we see people just embrace this ideology left and right. Like they're eating it up because the left, the woke, whatever you want to call them, is giving them a solution. Like it's not, it's not a credible one. It's not a workable one, but they're giving them something. Which is eternal penance. Right. And like what, you, you can't be – it's not enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. Right. So it's, you have to be anti-sin, which is the penance right. of like this eternal guilt and right. – and and rest and uh, reparations and restitution and penance and and all these things, but you can never pay enough. There's nothing you can pay mm-hmm. to account for the sin of slavery. There's and it's no like, dollar amount on that. It's like we said the whole idea of like this isn't a new radical truth that we had. That was the Martin Luther thing. Was the right. the translation of do penance to repent. Right. Like there's no penance you can do. So it's it's to me it's it's encouraging and a little. Uh, sorrowful that the world is looking for an answer like they're reaching out hands someone give us an answer for the problems and right. the problem is we're not the ones giving it to them somebody else's well i mean the, the, we have the, the message of christ is there yeah. and and that's why sharing the gospel is so important because it is the answer they're looking for right exactly and, and, and that's the thing is like we see the lost world looking for an answer right and that and that but specifically the answer of christ right and that's that and we have that so it's 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 hateful to not share that with this lost and in, in crying out world for mm-hmm. for exactly the answer that that Christianity has and that's it, why it has had the whole time right and that's one of the things you know to tie it back to the beginning where we got back to Doug Wilson that's yeah. one of the reasons why you know I've always liked him so much is because it's no compromise it's Christ or nothing like right. that's in every situation to every social ill Christ or nothing this is the only answer that suit that uh, that fulfills anything is Christ. And if you're not there, yeah. you, you know, what are you? Yeah. I mean, we just have these fake Christs and these, you know, we worship ourselves and eternal penance and because we're God and, but we're not God, but we try to take the place of God, which is to right. try to atone for our own sins, which we will just be apologizing forever. All our, all our philosophies are fig leaves that we're trying to fashion in the clothing. Yeah. And, right. and without, without the shedding of blood, there's no atonement for sin. Right. Yeah. So, you know, on that note, uh, to talk about back, <laughs> Odd Fontes, back to the sources, Solomon, yeah. what do you got for us this week on books? Okay, so today was a crazy day. Like, you know, I took the day off, and even then, you know, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was packed. And so I didn't have as, as much time as I would like to kind of go through this, but book recommendation is The Question mm-hmm. of Canon by Michael J. Kruger. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael J. Kruger is a uh, biblical scholar, uh, President Professor of New Testament and Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's the author of several books, including Canon Revisited, 
heresy of orthodoxy, uh, early text of the New Testament. So he uh, studies biblical texts and like, how, how do we get the Bible? And which is right. very important that we should right. understand is because everything goes back to that. Everything goes back to the Bible. That's the, the scripture, the God breathed word of God. So we got, I think Christians don't understand enough the history of the canon. Like why the 66 books? Why, why these books? Why not these Gnostic gospels? Why not the gospel of Thomas? Why not, you know, how do we get a canon? What, you know, that whole idea. So the question of canon kind of explores those things and it's pretty academic and it's kind of hard to, <laughs> it's a little dense. Yeah, it's a little dense, but it is accessible if you read it and you do get a sense of kind of what's going on. I did a review um, of this on, on, on my website and we can share that, but um, it kind of goes through like the different interpretation methods and um, I'm trying to find, see, that's why I didn't have time to like go through and like flag it. But he kind of goes through like um, the different models, uh, the exclusive definition. Um, well, he talks about like like different forms. Let me see if I can find one. Like the way, the different way to look at it. Like how do we get a canon? Well, we built it later versus like a more organic production of the biblical canon hmm. right it's so people have the idea that at the at the council of nicaea or like right. a different, constantine roman emperor uh throughout matthew and a bunch of bearded men said i <laughs> and it became canon right? right and they threw out hebrews and they threw out esther and they threw out sam you know so like is this bible all vote I like that's not how it happened. That's not how the canon was created. So you have the first century church, which he also has a really good book on the first century church, which is really good to uh, church history, biblical canon, uh, textual criticism, all those things are very important. Um, and he, he has a faithful view of that. He's a Christian. Right. And so he does have a faithful look at Christian history, which is actually kind of rare because you have a lot of Christian people studying Christian history and biblical textual criticism who aren't Christians and who right. are looking from a straight godless worldview presupposition and, and, and coming to certain conclusions that they come to based on those godless presuppositions. But he has a godly presupposition and a faithful Christian presupposition and he comes to these things. But um, he kind of just goes through um, different things. I mean, it's kind of hard to, there's so much. It's, there's so much to go through, but I do recommend this book. I recommend Michael Kruger as a faithful Christian historian. Um, let me see. This, this is a section I kind of uh, underlined and starred. Um, it says, Paul's contrast between these two mediums is really a contrast between two covenants. That is, he is contrasting the Mosaic covenant focused on law and the new covenant focused on the heart. And so he talks about like where Paul in, in 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.3 3, contrasts tablets of stone with tablets of human hearts. So you talk about the like kind of Judaic text versus the New right. Testament text and stuff, the, the Greek and like kind of Roman text versus the ancient Hebrew text and stuff, which is different ways to look at it. Um, I don't know, man, it's just hard to go on it. So you can go check it out. Like someone says that currently we have our 60 extant manuscripts in whole or in part of the New Testament from this time period, 
with most of our copies coming from Matthew, John, Luke, Acts, Romans, Hebrews, and Revelation. The Gospel of John proves to be the most popular of all, with 18 manuscripts, a number of which may derive from the second century. And he talks about like P52, P90, right. P66, P75, and these being like kind of a codification or codex of the ancient manuscripts that we have. Uh, Matthew is not far behind with 12 manuscripts, and some of these also have been dated to the second century. And so he, he goes into like the kind of forensic stuff of the papyrus and the manuscripts that we have. And so we don't have the autographs, which is like the right. pen of Paul and the right. pen of the gospels of like the actual first piece of paper and ink that were put down. But we do have extremely reliable uh, manuscripts, very old copies of manuscripts, and a, a large number of those manuscripts, more than any other ancient text, more than the Odyssey, more than uh, histories of, of Alexander the Great, or anything, things that nobody questions, right? right. And so, but we have a, a, a far richer manuscript tradition in history of the Bible than any of these other ancient texts that we don't question, Homer, like anything. So... Uh, yeah. Anyway, it, it's, it's again, kind of hard to go to go through, but, um, you know, it's challenging the status quo in the new Testament debate. Mm -hmm. So there is this debate, what is legit, what's not legit in putting together, especially the new Testament canon about Christ and stuff and the church history of that. And yeah, it's, it's pretty good, but I, I recommend Kruger overall this is the second book I've read by Kruger. Um, and I highly recommend it. Sure. Anything on, on church history, I think, is worth getting your hands on. It's one of the more neglected areas of, of modern Christianity. We, sure. we really don't know, like, the stream of faith that got us to where we are. You know? Yeah. But then some documentary will come out on History Channel. Right. And that's everybody's <laughs> idea of, like, oh, yeah, aliens. Right. <laughs> and it's really, you know, one of the things that I – when we talk about the, the canon, one of the things that's really interesting about the canon is the uh, – the unity and the through line of all the books. So one of the things that you always hear is the idea of like the controversy between Paul and James, like Paul versus James and the idea of faith without works and faith, you know, faith alone. Martin Luther had that struggle. Right. And yeah. it's interesting for me to read this because we've been going through, uh, we went through Philippians, Colossians, and we're going through Romans right now in my small group at church. And basically we read at home and then we go back and discuss what we did. So reading through Romans has been interesting at home because we, when me and Maggie talk about Romans, it, it'll often be me going to James to fill out like what Paul is trying to say, you know? So mm -hmm. it's that, that through line of like, they're not in conflict. They're actually, they're, they're unified in mm -hmm. that idea. They have that consistency where Paul will say something about how we're freed from the law, but that doesn't free us to sin more. Mm -hmm. And then to, you know, to flesh that idea out, I have to go to James and say, well, this is why. Right. And James extrapolates on that idea a little bit more. Yeah, it's amazing how what, what kind of consistency and clarification of supposed contradictions of the Bible you'll find when you just keep reading. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, oh, I, I see this one passage, this one selection, or this one verse or anything, and it's like, oh, and then I find this verse and say, oh, boom, contradiction. It's like, right. do you know the context of those? Right. And, and not taking everything. Uh, I, I like what Doug Wilson said about like, you know, I, I, I think the Bible is 100 percent. I don't I don't take the Bible 100 percent literal, but I do believe right. it's 100 percent true. Right. And so there is a aspect of that, of different types of literature, such as poetry, history, a letter, uh, different things. So, and they should be read in that context mm. and paired with other parts of the Bible in their context and their respective types of literature. 
So yeah, yeah if you guys what, get a chance, we'll have to do like a like a biblical criticism, textual criticism episode. <laughs> it's a dense episode, man. I know King James only controversy in the manuscript tradition and stuff. And oh man, the, the manuscript tradition is fascinating if you're a nerd. Like if you're <laughs> if you're into that kind of stuff, it's great because there's so much content there. There was yeah. a there was a debate between James White and Bart Ehrman, where uh, at the end James White gave Bart Ehrman a tie that had the pattern of P56 on it. <laughs> it was so ridiculous, but I was like, it was the most awkward. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and both were like fat and like it's like it's, it's weird to see old James White debates because there's like fat James White. And then there's like he wasn't fat. He was like super dense. Like he was he was working. No, okay. So we talked. No, <laughs> we've talked about this before. But he used to work out with one of the guys from the power team. So he was just like super. All that, all that, all that power's in his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> he had big, large abs. They were so strong. They were just no, you know. yeah, one giant ab that looked like. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor White, please come on our show. Don't let this <laughs> discourage you. Oh yeah, um, yeah, that'd be cool to have Dr. White on. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's what's going on with that. Cool. So Christian Buchanan, definitely recommend it. Biblical history, learn it. And just little things like if you guys are just curious about church history, uh, the Didache, which is like one of the oldest um, kind of liturgical books that exists that we that we know of for sure, it's free online. There's no copyright to it. If you want to look it up, you can find a full copy and read through the whole thing. It's very short and very informative. You can see that they're pulling from Corinthians and Ephesians, and they're like the epistles are all in there. That's one of the, that, that is one of those that they've done like History Channel specials are like right. the secret books of the Bible. <laughs> like it's like you keep you've been able to find this forever. It's, it's, <laughs> like, it's one Google search away. No secret of the Didache. Like it, <laughs> the Didache yeah. is fascinating when they talk about baptism. That's my favorite section because I think in in some sense we've kind of um, normalized the idea of baptism. You know, mm -hmm. it's like it, it's a thing that we do on Sunday in between the the last song and the first sermon. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, the Didache, when you read about baptism, they're like, well, you have to fast for what you're doing. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we need to find a stream of living water. So it's got to be a river or something. And if you can't find that, then it could be a pool. And if you can't find that, then I guess you can just put a little bit on the head. But like, they were right. <laughs> magic water, magic water. We'll talk yeah. about that one day, too. Yeah, baptism. Uh, it's weird because I read table talk every day. It's mm -hmm. Presbyterian. <laughs> so they'll talk about like, oh, and this is what leads people to believe in believer's baptism. Like, mm. oh, yeah, <laughs> and the you just it, like, slide it away. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, just announcement coming up this week. We got some cool stuff planned. Coming up this month, we got some cool stuff planned. It's October, October. so we want to get a little spooky. Yeah. So uh, next month we'll be talking about magic. Next week we'll be talking about magic. The idea of magic, ritual magic, witches, is it real? Is it all make-believe fun? You know, how do you – are you going to hell for celebrating Halloween? So something in that Martin Luther book I read was uh, about communion, and they had a Latin phrase called hoc est corpus est, right, mm -hmm. which is here is the body, right? Here, Like here the body presented kind of thing. Right. Well, that was uh, kind of uh, – perverted into hocus pocus oh so that's where they get that for the phrase that's hocus. fascinating yeah hocus pocus was like oh. a disrespectful right hocus, hocus corpus s that's so that, that's really cool to know yeah. the history of yeah. you know I, i've always thought mocking always, the communion right 
I've always thought Catholicism and ritual magic are like half a degree apart. Like I, you know, <laughs> I know offensive, but please let me flesh this out. You know, it, it, being being Hispanic, growing up in like Catholic culture, there's this idea of like Catholicism fitting in with like Hispanic tradition. Yeah, and I think it's because they have some of the same elements. Like they don't call them, right. We don't call them spells. We call them rosaries. Mm. We don't call them rituals. We call them uh, last rites. Right. <laughs> like we're not doing necromancy. We're praying to the saints. Yeah. Like it's 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 half a degree right. turned. I mean, it's, it's Coco, like that. Okay, Coco's a Halloween movie, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> skeletons walking around and stuff, and right. the Day of the Dead. Like it's very morbid and macabre and kind of weird. Yeah. yeah, but it plays very much into like the Catholic, especially right. Mexican Catholic, right? Church, right, Roman Catholic. Yeah. It's a pagan so, yeah. a little you know, bit, you know. Yeah. Next week we'll talk about magic. Maybe we'll talk about Coco. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about Grant Morrison. But we're <laughs> next week we'll talk about magic. After that. Uh, we have a guest coming on. Uh, he's going to talk about some of his stuff. So we're going to talk about Rapture movies, <laughs> which is going to oh, be fun. Man. Left Behind, A Thief in the Night. We're going to cover all that because it's going to be a blast. You been left behind. Oh, okay. I'm going to play that. So we're going to get somebody to play that song. It's a good song. <laughs> DC Talk. It is a really good song. I'm sad that it's not true. That's what makes me sad about it because it's a really good song. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyways, until then, this has been The Time and the Place. We'll see you guys next week. Signing off for Solomon and Julian. Take it easy, guys. Bye.